Hi everyone, it's Emily Schramm. Welcome back to another Meathead Heavy podcast. It has been so long and I feel like <laughs> everything changes day to day, let alone a week, let alone a month, which is I think the last time I had a Meathead Heavy podcast. So I apologize if you have missed me, but honestly, um, there was so much noise and I needed to not be around noise for a while. And I still kind of go through those phases where it's like, I can't listen to another podcast, let alone even want to create a podcast. So uh, thank you for sticking along with me through my inconsistencies. Um, but it is truly kind of what I want to talk about today, uh, which is this ability to drop in to feel. And I think I'm just going to give a little bit of feedback. I feel like the quarantine has been so wildly intense and emotional and kind of all through an inner journey of inner workings and inner child stuff and trauma stuff and just like the most bizarre stuff and kind of understanding, well, what does this mean for me? What does it mean for what I actually love to do? Uh, what does it mean when the world is demanding you to loosen your grip and let go of everything? <laughs> and are you going to let it? And everything about this coronavirus, um, since we have no control, it gives us this ability to finally, as someone who is obsessed with control, to let go of it. And what I mean by that is like, you know, we always try meditating and we always try to be better. And hopefully we're trying that. Um, we're always working on ourselves and trying to be better as people and be good humans. Um, but we can talk a lot about surrender and letting go and <laughs> doing what feels right and following your intuition. We can talk about that quite a bit, but can we actually live it and breathe it? And so it's so much easier when the whole world has to do it with you. I'll just say that. <laughs> um, it has allowed us to let go. If you know what I'm talking about, you know, right? It's like, okay, maybe this is the permission to pause. And I don't think we could have actually gotten that um, otherwise, or at least without a lot of work. And that's really this like whole idea behind do, feel, know, the chapters of my book. And when I'm looking at, we were such in a do mode right? We were such in a go, 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 do mode. And so the journey in 2019 for me was how to force myself to feel because I was really struggling with being overworked and being burnt out and pushing myself and going apeshit when it came to my work. You guys, I'm a psychopath. It was like, I just, the numbers, I just am such a competitive human and I love succeeding and I love being, being my own boss and I love creating. I love working. The work that I do is so fulfilling and I just go ham. <laughs> it's a little annoying to the people that work for, for me and with me, but you know, I've learned how to manage that and how to tone it back and how to do what's right for me, not for my ego and also how to make it productive and wonderful and a great environment for the people that work with me, I don't want to stress them out anymore, right? So it's like, okay, we can figure out a way to calm the do, the the act of always being in motion and being, for me, um, so plugged into work and just going, 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 going. So the, the coronavirus really forced us to stop. And then all of a sudden we were faced with all of these feelings and all of these emotions that were just so damn exhausting. And we 
couldn't do anything. So we had to sit in it and it was emotional and draining and tiring. And we just did it. We, we had to, and we chose to, and we chose to get better. And we did things that made us proud. Um, for me, that was the inner child work, the, the everything, all of it. It was just digging in and I had time and space to do it. And that's what this podcast has been about. So if you are like, what is she talking about? Then listen to the last couple podcasts with Steph Jagger, um, with Alicia Miller, even the one I did by myself, just to kind of get into the mode of what I'm talking about if you're brand new to me. Um, but I, I think you guys get it. I mean, I don't know. I'm just going to imagine you're in front of me nodding your head. <laughs> Cool. Okay. So this is where I feel like I just want you guys to understand this. And this is because I'm going through it. Um, when the world starts to open back up, we just are going to get thrown into a pattern. And this pattern is going to be, you're going to work your ass off and try to change your body and you feel like a slob and you feel disgusting. And so now it's time to commit to a plan. You need to put all your action into something. Wah, do. Um, or it could be like me, like, okay, this gym has been closed. There's nothing I can do except online classes. So we close platform strength, online classes, all of a sudden we have 12 workouts a week included in the Empress. Um, we have the members being taken care of. And then I combined it with everyone in Empress, pull that together. Okay, cool. Got it. Um, but the gym's still closed. So there's a little bit less that we can do, right? Put all my energy into it online. And then <laughs> it's like, okay, if that's not the case, if we aren't doing it for our body, we're not doing it for work, um, where else are we doing it? Are we trying to control every everything? Are we trying to micromanage everything? Are we doing it in our relationships? Are we doing it in the way we're talking to ourselves? It's like this constant questioning and thinking. All of it is the same. It's just the do. And so I see it happening. That's why I read that poem of... Um, the mermaids that I, the mermaid legs that I read on Instagram the other day, it's a chapter from my book in the do chapter called dear legs. And it's about how much we hate ourselves and how we get into this cycle of how we're never good enough. And we self-loathe because that is an action. It is something for your brain to do, to get into these spirals and these tunnels to talk shit about yourself and self-deprecate. It's like all of it is a way for you to get feel less uncomfortable um, because you still are avoiding feeling. And so when I got thrown back into this world of work, I had been working so much on the inner stuff, but work stuff, I'm still learning how to, you know, balance. <laughs> it's like, I'm a, such a generator. If you guys are into human design, it's like most of us are generators. I think a lot of you relate to this. We love to do things. Um, and so anyway, I just feel like I got thrown into work where opening platform strength and doing it safely and doing it with all the protocols and, you know, tr just trying to make this transition as easy as possible, um, and change it into making it easier. But I just completely got consumed. And it was so interesting because my adrenals will always talk to me. I love my relationship with my adrenals because if you're not familiar with this, I have a few podcasts on this, but stress and stress management and learning how to take care of yourself is all about handling um, the do. It's like, oh my God, this is so beautiful because my body, these adrenals, when I am overstressing myself, too much cortisol, too much adrenaline sometimes, just constantly doing. Um, and I don't listen to the signs that say, you know what, you did enough today. 
For example, I worked out at the gym because we can now work out at the gym. Very limited, right? There's only three people in there at a time. But I got my first workout in and I was just so excited. It was it was like emotional. I was so excited to work out at the gym. Um, but then I like instantly was like, I have to rollerblade. <laughs> I'm dead serious. I'm so, I'm a nut job. I really am taking rollerblading seriously because it's like a fun, uh, no pressure, something I've just learned the last couple weeks. I mean, I got these rollerblades like eight years ago, you guys. <laughs> the first time I got them, I fell on a hill so tragically and it just traumatized me. And I was like, you know what? I'm not willing to go through this again. I, I'm too busy crossfitting. I'm too busy competing. I'm too busy personal training. I'm too busy working. I'm too busy doing things that I didn't have energy to put into rollerblading. I knew I wanted to have energy for it, but I just didn't. And so then this whole thing happens and I get back to Denver and I realized I still had rollerblades. I was like, oh my God. So, I mean, the story is hilarious because it's just such a sign of my life. But like, I couldn't find the rollerblades and I was like, okay, they're definitely in storage. I went to storage. Uh, this guy, somehow the code wasn't working and I didn't have my ID on me. So he wasn't going to let me in. And I'm like, dude, bro, I need my rollerblades. It's time. These have been waiting for me for eight years, eight years. And now it's time. And so I go, he let me in. I couldn't believe it. He let me in. He unlocked the door for me. He let me find my rollerblades. It was all serendipitous and beautiful. I put on the rollerblades and it just was like so fun. The roller fit with M, if you're curious, go to my Instagram. I mean, if I look happy, you times that by a hundred, that's how I feel because it's just this freedom, no pressure. I'm learning something new that I thought I sucked at forever. <laughs> and then I can just like, Oh, it's just so amazing. It's so amazing. And so I just think it's this beautiful reminder. And ironically, this is what's so crazy is Venus just went into retrograde. The last time it went into retrograde was eight years ago, eight years ago. So it feels like I just, something about Venus and retrograde, these rollerblades and this kind of playful, fun, like opportunities you know, just this love, this joy, this ability to see life as a grand adventure, not something that we got through, not something we survived. No. Yeah, we survived it. All right, turn. What is ahead? What are the possibilities? I love thinking about that. I love seeing the world as my oyster. <laughs> it's this beautiful switch in perspective that we all have the ability to do. It's just really hard to do. And the reason it's hard to do is because we are so terrified of feeling. And so how do we force ourselves to get into that place when it's something that's hard for us? What does that even mean? And that is what this whole edition of Empress is about, the thrive, because I am so obsessed with the things. So there's a, two things, and that's what this podcast is about. It's breath work. It is breathing. And I have so many things coming I don't want to go on more tangents than I already have. I'm trying to get to the get to the finish line here. Em. Um, it's, it's like this amazing breathwork experiment that I'm going through because I'm going on a trip to swim with whales and I have to hold my breath. And so I hired Brian McKenzie to help me with breathwork. And I'm doing these crazy amounts of like breath holds and carbon dioxide tolerance tests. And it's just amazing. I love working with him. Um, just, we did a podcast together. Go listen to it. Brian McKenzie. Uh, and then you can find him on Instagram. 
but the point being that all of that I put into Empress and specifically this Kundalini breathwork mantra meditation. And so in Empress is a weekly live meditation every Tuesday, Sunday yogas, Wednesday mobility, uh, two guided breathworks with the person you're going to listen today to on me at heavy Yashoda. And then we have sound baths. <laughs> it's like, I want so badly for this because this is what saved me all month, you guys. And it's still what I'm doing every day in order to just be okay. Because if not, like all of a sudden, I know I didn't finish the story about rollerblading. Basically, the ro I got a rock stuck in the rollerblade <laughs> and I couldn't get it out and I didn't listen. The universe told me not to go rollerblading, but I did anyway. I did a workout on my rollerblades, <laughs> roller fit with them. I pushed my body too hard. My adrenals just totally told me, go fuck yourself. Sorry for my language. It ba they basically just, within 12 hours, I had a headache. My lower back was achy and I was just irritable. I'm like, whoa, I haven't gotten these adrenal symptoms in so long. I did not know. So I took all, all my adrenal supplements, the adrenal relief. I took some adaptogenic herbs on top of the adrenal relief. And then I was like, all right, this is cool. I'm going to be fine. And I am. Within 12 hours, I could completely turn it around. I'm not going to go rollerblading today. I'm going to take a bath and I'm going to listen to my body that says I didn't do enough feeling. And the way that we do feeling is by making sure we listen to our body. And the only way we can listen to our body is if we're tapped into our body. And that is literally what Yashoda does. This guy, it might be weird to you, this guided breath work, this mantra, this med, I don't, I don't care. You have to try it. It is so time for you to make the decision to make, make your own sanity and stress relief a priority. If you're not actively meditating, if you're not actively taking a bath, if you're not actively doing something fun, if you're not actively journaling, if you're not actively breathing, oh my God, you guys, you have to start now. The world is weird. It's just going to get more and more weird. If if you're not doing it and then you're wondering why you're, you have anxiety, why you're depressed, why you feel bipolar, or maybe are going through those same symptoms, why you are struggling emotionally. If you are not in the position where you are loving your life, thriving on rollerblades, I'm not, th that opportunity is there for you to get into that happy space again, but you have to actively work for it. And I'm just so excited for what Empress means. If you're not signed up for Empress, please go sign up. It is incredible. It's a digital publication. It's a basically an online retreat. And we have a workshop on Saturday about public speaking. Uh, we have a um, Monday, mo not mo Monday mobilities. We have Monday through Friday workouts, live yoga, meditation, all the things. If you don't know about it, click the link. I can't even explain it right now. This intro is ridiculously, ridiculously too long. <laughs> um, okay, so that's all I want you to say. I, I wanted to say about making sure that you're taking care of yourself. And then the last few things. Empress, obviously, and then making sure if you're not a part of the Facebook group, it's the easiest way to get up to date on things. And I just did a live where I announced um, a pre-order for teas. So the teas have been sold out, but I'm obsessed with my teas because they're all like genuinely with a purpose for anxiety, for hormones, for herbal coffee, for um, tummy tonic, for stomach issues. So go to the Facebook live and go 
listen about my herbal element. You can get them on pre-order at herbalelement.com starting on Friday, which is literally tomorrow. Well, oh my God, how is it already Friday? Whew. And then that's it. So join the Facebook group. Look at Empress. You're going to be obsessed with it. Download Yashoda's things and then enjoy this amazing podcast with Yashoda, which I should totally have in and of itself. But you know what? That's okay. Here we go. Yashoda's bio. Yashoda Devi Ma is the owner and founder of YDM Meditation. She is the co-founder of The Subtle Mind in Boulder, Colorado. She is an expert in the field of Vedic meditation, Himalayan yogic practices, and transcendence of the mind. She has worked extensively with these techniques for two decades. Yashoda's main focus is to create a strong foundation of a calm, clear mind, holistic wellness, and activating elegant, high-value living. You're going to go through breath works. You're going to go through meditations. You're going to go through breath of fire. It's like the incredible, just st stick with it, stay consistent with it, do something every day, take care of yourself, and you will find the life that you are desperate to live. Um, just if nothing else, I am living proof of that. I just want to be a guidepost. Just keep asking the questions, keep doing the work, keep picking the harder choices, and you will get there. Okay, enjoy this amazing podcast. I'll see you guys soon. <laughs> I'm Emily Schramm, the ultimate meathead hippie. Welcome to the show. Hi, Shoda. Welcome. I'm so glad that you're here. I feel uh, connected to you, even though we barely know each other, because I've gone through some of your breath work, and I just absolutely love it. I love how you teach it, and then how you... Um, effortlessly explain it so that it makes it more fun. And I can't wait for people to experience this in Empress, but I just, yeah, I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for being a part of this. It's, it's such an honor. And I'm, I'm just so happy that you connected with the, the work that I put up. It's not normal that I do something like that. And I think this is part of what the beauty is that's coming out of so much of what's happening in the world is that we get to connect, which who knows if we would have otherwise. So I'm so happy. I'm so happy to be here and to connect to your community. Uh, they're going to love this because a lot of people are curious about meditation. A lot of people are curious about breath work. Um, you know, the types of meditation, the timing it takes to do meditation. and But once you experience what it does when you actually take the time and how transformative it is, uh, it's just so beautiful. So I think there's a little bit of let's first start by getting people convinced to do this. Um, let's, <laughs> let, uh, let's talk about your history. Uh, you have been in Boulder. You own, you know, the whole story of what I want you to really explain is just how you found meditation or how it found you and um, the work that you do and the work you teach, uh, how did that happen? How did that come about? And what does that look like? It's a long story. <laughs> um, let's see. I, so I have a studio, a meditation studio here in Boulder, Colorado, and it's on Pearl Street near some very cool shops downtown. Um, I've had it for about two and a half years and I've lived in Boulder for about seven. And prior to having my space in town, I taught out of my house up in North Boulder. Um, the practice that I do, and I love what you connected with, my primary foundational practice that I can't teach online is an effortless, easy practice. Um, 
everything that I teach comes from India. It comes from the yogic knowledge. Uh, and long ago, like you, I was in the fitness business. I was in the fitness business. I was an athlete. I was a total tomboy growing up, grew up with an older brother, always playing sports. Sports was like the microcosm for life for me back then. Um, I competed in everything in high school. I was, I broke records powerlifting. I'm so not this way what? now, but. Oh my God, <laughs> this is incredible. So you are a fellow meathead potentially, yes. right? <laughs> totally, totally. Talk about the records. Like what was your list? I need to know a little bit more of this before we move on. Well, my best, my, my main lift that I actually broke records in was a power claim. Um, and I, back then, I think I was maybe like a junior in high school and I could power lift 195 pounds. Oh um, my God, this is so incredible. Since you're speaking my language here. So I love, <laughs> I love this. So, that is so bad. <laughs> yeah. So I was, I, sports is what got me through high school. It's, um, it's what got me through life. When I went to university, I studied psychology and Western literature. Um, I dealt with a lot of depression. I lived up in Oregon, which doesn't have very much sun. And so that kind of increased my issues. Um, long story short, like with my background, I was adopted. I moved a lot growing up. I went to 13 different schools. I lived in a household that was um, not super stable. There was a lot of alcohol in the family, and, and I'm a very sensitive person. Um, and that caused, that just caused a lot of anguish for me. So in that, when I left high school, went into college, I just carried this depression with me. And I kind of only knew that. And sports was the only thing that made me feel good. Sports was the only thing that was like, get me out of this house. It was my way of excelling, feeling good, all of that. Um, and then as I went through university, I ran track. Again, I did powerlifting and all of those things. And I was just extremely unhappy. Um, on the inside, on the outside, most people would never have guessed that. Um, my birth mother ended up finding me. She, she searched for me and we reunited and she lived in Los Angeles. And so when we reunited, it was kind of my dream to, to just meet her and to be with her and to learn about where I came from. And as somebody so obsessed with the body, Really, I was a, a child growing up that all I wanted to know is how does the body work? How does the mind work? How do we eat for the body, for energy? All of these different types of things. I just thought, why would I invest any of my time in anything else? I'd rather just learn about what the heck this thing does in this lifetime. And so I was curious of having been adopted, like, why do I do the things that I do and so on and so forth? Very curious. Um, and so I left university and I went and I moved with my birth mother down in Los Angeles and got back into school down there, reconnected with her. And in that journey, you know, I started working at a gym. That's when, you know, 
people started walking up to me and asking me questions. And I thought I should probably get paid. That's when I became a certified trainer. This is very familiar. Yes. (laughs) Right. So that was so long ago. That was starting at like 19, 20 years old. And in that, I just lived in the gym. It's what made me feel good. I spent hours. That's kind of all I did was work out. Um, And I was very extreme in that. And some time went by and my mid-20s hit. And it kind of like I had a midlife crisis. And I was tired of being extreme in my depression. I had depression. I had suicidal thinking. I just felt hopeless. There was weeks. I was functionally dysfunctional. Right. I would show up, I would train my clients, I would do all of these things, and then I would be like, I can't deal with the world. And I would shut everything out and I would disappear. Basically, if you weren't my personal training client, I didn't ever answer my phone. Right. And it just got to this point at 25 where I just got tired of living like that. And I felt like a fraud. I felt like, oh my God, here I am and I can get my body to look nice and I eat organic and I eat well. That was like no brainer. I could transform anybody's body. I could do it in my sleep. If And I was like hitting the wall at that point. I was like, if I count to 20 one more time for somebody's stuff, I'm going to go crazy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so in that, I, you know, I searched a lot. I was always very spiritual. And I was raised Catholic, but that never quite clicked with me. And the reason why was because I was always searching for who's happy. And it never felt like there was happiness exuding from that. And so, you know, I I searched, I traveled a lot with that. And at 25, like I said, I hit the wall. I hit the wall and randomly I was at a laundromat in LA and this guy was hitting on me. And we're still friends to this day, but he was hitting on me very like handsome. He was a yoga teacher. He worked at Equinox, which was like super cool back then. Like it had just opened. It was like the sexy fitness. And he was like the main teacher. Anyway, I didn't want to deny him. So I gave him my email and his way of getting back at me was to put me on his newsletter. And so for a good year, I just like threw away his newsletters, like roll my eyes, throw this away. And I was like hardcore with my training, right? I, until I was dating some famous soccer guy in Europe and he said, you know, you work out a lot. And I thought, you make $20 million a year and you're telling me you work out a lot? Like that's all you do. And it got me really thinking, like, I guess I'm kind of extreme in this. And in that is when I injured my foot, I got a neuroma in my foot and a stress fracture Mm -hmm. and I couldn't run. I couldn't get on the treadmill and I couldn't run. And I was like, beside myself. And I remember driving in Los Angeles and I came up to a stop sign and I just thought, oh my God, I can't run anymore. And I was so mad. And I just kept repeating that. And I went, oh, my God, I can't run anymore. It's like a metaphor of life. I can't run anymore. I can't run away from what's happening in life. I need to stop, right? And at that time, my birth mother was like the little bird that chirped in my ear. She was the one who showed me yoga. She was the one who she would get up at 4 a.m. every morning. She would meditate. She would always say, you know, I think meditation might be good for you. 
she gave me like Wayne Dyer CDs and I don't know, all these things. And I would say, oh, I can't, like I move and I need to like go do things. And right, yep. it doesn't work for me. It's not fun. And, or all I'm doing is thinking. And so I kind of would brush these things aside and I would go to yoga and I'd start to feel good, but I never even considered yoga like a workout. I was like, oh, whatever. And those could be people. I had a lot of judgment. Um, but when I met this guy at this laundromat, and I hit this wall at 25. I would think I was just depressed and laying on my couch. And I went online and a newsletter popped up and he talked about his guru. And he talked about his meditation practice and how his meditation practice had revolutionized his life. And I finally just sat and read it. And when you live in LA and something's about a mile away from you, you really have no excuse not to go. So his guru was giving a free talk that was like one mile away in Laurel Canyon. I lived in West Hollywood and it was free and it was literally two hours away from when I was looking at this, this newsletter. And I thought this little voice just was like, go, you're not doing anything, just go. And of course, all the judgment came in. Like, why are they doing it in an apartment? What kind of guys are these? This is weird. You know, I showed up and there's 70 people packed outside. And of course, I judged all of them. And we backed all into this apartment. And this guy started speaking. And he, he spoke this language of science mixed with method. And that, as a trainer, as somebody who's always been disciplined, I was like, okay, you are speaking my language. All you need to give me is something that has structure and I'll do it. And if it gives results, then I'll keep doing it. It was pretty simple for me in that sense. And so I signed up, it was very expensive. It was like all the money I had on my side, like my car payment or something. So I was very stressed about it. And I leaped and I took the chance and I started having results. And that week, because I suffered from insomnia, because I had so much energy. Um, I only slept maybe three hours every night. I had a bit like ADD or OCD. I would be like organizing things in the middle of the night in my closet. Um, I had that depression. I had suicidal thinking. would get very hopeless and pull away. And in that first week of meditating, I had amazing results. I was sleeping. Um, as time started to go by, my, my depression started to lift. Um, my hopelessness started to lift. All of these things started to lift. And in that, even in that time, I also recognized my one addiction. I didn't really do drugs. I didn't really drink, but my addiction was exercise. And that's how I kind of beat myself up. That's how I dealt with life. And so in that, meditation really taught me how to become healthy from mind and body. The method that I use um, with the foundational practice that I do, um, it's easy, it's much easier than the stuff that you've done online. It's something that you do twice a day, you close your eyes and it's for 20 minutes. It's very easy, it's very restful and it's very deep. And so once I got into that, and in that first week I was like, I'm gonna become a teacher of this. Because what I love in life, my biggest passion is transformation. 
So first there was transformation of body, which I love. I love seeing the before and the after. And I love now transforming the mind and really bringing somebody into wholeness. And that started my journey 17 years ago. And once I did that, I just found myself in India four years later. I lived with my guru for seven years. Um, I got another teacher. So I had two teachers, two gurus, and they really work together to create this wholeness from a holistic perspective. And so in that, I've been studying going back, back and forth from India for like the last 12 years, 11 years, somewhere around there. Um, and I really blend this effortless method that I do that's this foundational practice into these really other, these ones that you've experienced that really boosts and activates the body. It's about energy. And so everything I've learned is really coming in with body, mind, energy, and spirit, and bringing it all alive from a complete way. So the the formula that I've created that you guys will experience, it brings wholeness on every level from a yogic perspective. And this is why it's such a winning formula when you do breath work and you activate from breathing consciously, it's your life force that you're really increasing. Um, it activates the body, um, so it purifies the body. Uh, as we use mantra, uh, and you can ask me many more questions about this, but as we use mantra, I use mantra out loud to inward, which is different than my foundational practice. My foundational practice is only inward. But this outward to inward really allows for you to shift the water body and using sounds and vibrations and the sounds in these vibrations that i'll be using with you guys they have meaning they have a particular intention to then activate us or purify us to release stresses in certain ways and then uplift us in other ways and then when we go into silence the mind can really start to go into a place um, where it can go to a calmer place. Sometimes in meditation, it might not go completely into silence, and that's okay. Um, sometimes it might have some thought, but no matter what, you'll experience a calmness and spaciousness that happens within the mind. And for us to feel good in life, we need to work with the mind. And that's what was such the game changer. When, when I knew I was working out and taking supplements and, and, and doing all of these things, but my mind was like a disaster zone, right? When I went into meditation is where it cleared it. It cleared it, it lifted it, and it literally deleted it. So I don't experience, even if, even if my body wanted to try to be depressed, it can't by how many years I've been meditating. So it's just, I've spent... It's like really a passion to bring in wholeness on a whole nother level. So it's fun to be able to connect with you and your background and really come in to connect with people that were just like me. This is exactly where I was 17 years ago. So. Uh, I'm so glad you shared all of that. I think it's so, there's so many things that I could go down, but I think the number one thing is understanding for you and kind of this transitional period. Um, first off, I just think it's so incredible that that was, you know, this whole story that I found you, I gravitated towards you just because 
I, I love that you could, I could connect with the breath work. I felt like I could get into some of these breath of fires without feeling a little bit too crazy or anything. You know, it was very easy and effortless. You were very clearly in your calling. Um, and I love that. And I would be curious where you felt like that middle place where, you know, for someone, this whole edition for Empress is about mental health. It's so important now. It's always important, but we're kind of in this denial of the stress we have and we're in this fear, but we don't know how to process it. So if someone feels really far away, even though this is the tools we're giving them and you're giving them are perfect, what was the transition like for you? Was it over, you said it in the first week, but kind of those middle stages where you're like, you know, you're kind of changing the way you think and those thought patterns. Um, is it consistency that helps people stick with it? Was What was that for you? Does that make sense? Like helping people yeah. understand their journey to get to that place of bliss that you so clearly are at because you exude it you know it's that light that you you share um is because it's who you are and so if someone feels far from that what's that kind of transition like for you or what was it one I think it's the willingness you have to have the willingness and because I hit that point where I was I just can't live like this and again it's not like it was so dark. I hit this bottom out. It was literally, I just can't deal with myself. And I don't, this isn't how I imagined my life. So willingness is number one. Somebody has to have the willingness. And you know that from fitness too. It's not like somebody can't go into a gym and, and work out once and then say, why am I not ripped? Why am I not you know, right. looking the way that I want to look? That's it's just not happen, how it works. But, yep. <laughs> It doesn't work with the body and it doesn't work with the mind. So willingness first, willingness to show up even when it's uncomfortable. And we know that with fitness, you go into the gym and you haven't worked out, you're going to be sore. It's not going to be fun to even sit down and go to the bathroom, right? So but something, you've got to have something, some willpower to get you to go the next time, right? And to work through it and to move through it. And once you get through the discomfort, which might be just the beginning, you start to see results and it's the results that start to carry you in that, but it's consistency, just like anything else. It's showing up, showing up to what it is that you desire to move towards and, and to do it. It yeah, really takes willingness to, to want to change, right. Yeah. And to want to work towards something. And then the next is just showing up and knowing that you don't have to be perfect at doing it. So that's a big part of what I teach my group, I teach my community, is this is something that really got debunked in my first year of meditating. I was a perfectionist. And I still, on some levels, have this attention to detail, but I'm not ailed by it. It's a gift. But before, I used to be ailed by it. And in that, if we just show up and we do, it's like to, to do cardio, right? It's a minimum three times a week for 20 minutes, at least, right? For you to want to see results. If you really want to lose weight and you want to move your body, but you're not willing to show up for the baseline of three days, then you can't really complain about the transformation not happening. So in the same sense, when you do a practice and you want the mind to be cleared, you have to show up to it daily. So when I talk to my students about this wholeness, from a yogic perspective, there's five layers that we need to fulfill daily. And it doesn't have to be extreme, which is what I was talking about. We can be so extreme. I remember, you know, back in the day, I was just like, I work out all day. I didn't count hikes as a workout. I didn't count yoga as a workout. Yes, I'm so with you on this. It's like, <laughs> unless I died, it didn't count. <laughs> 
And so I was somebody who I would do or that definitely wasn't working out. Um, but and I would compound all of these things and it was it was too much. And that's okay if you're still in that zone. You know, if you do start meditating, you'll find balance. But we need to do something for our bodies. So the yogis knew you gotta move your body because we're energy, we're light, we're vibration, and we're energy, and energy becomes stagnant. So if we don't move, it hurts us. We carry emotions and it locks us. It locks in our neck, it locks in our back. So when we move our bodies, that's why they created asana, right? So asana was developed as, as an energy distribution, essentially, and that's what working out is. That's what uh, hiking is, and then we get connection to nature. We need to eat well, and not just eat well from like a Western perspective. We need to eat food that's full of life. Yogi's perspective, we need to increase what we call prana, and that's our life force. It's our energy force. So when we move the body, we do asana, we work out, we go to the gym, we hike, we do cardio, and we're conscious with our breath. That activates it. When we eat food that's alive, right, food not raw, but food that's, you know, lightly steamed and it's full of energy, that gives us more prana, it gives us more life force. When we drink water that's alkalized, when we have spring water, that gives us life, that gives us energy, and that fulfills this body layer, the food body layer. And then the next level that we have is breath, right? So this is why the yogis created breath work. We need to consciously breathe to move and increase our life force. So from someone like me who is a healer, or those who are what we would classify as typical healers, what we're looking at when we work with an individual, if they have some sort of ailment happening, we need to increase their life force. So Chinese uh, medicine will say qi, same thing, prana, qi. So we need to breathe. That's one of the best ways to increase our life force. So this is why when you do those practices that I've created for you, when you're doing 10 minutes, 20 minutes, ooh, it's on you get high it's yeah. better than any drug that you could ever take you're getting high off of your own breath and the way that we do certain pranayams or breath works really starts to balance the different elements within our body the different mechanisms within the mind um, it starts to it it raises our vitality essentially and so breath is really important when we're doing that. And when we do asana, because the breath is connected with movement, that's conscious breathing. So that's why somebody's prana can increase. And then the next level of wholeness is the mind. We've got to clear the mind. And this is what perplexed me in Western, you know, um, fitness and wellness is that there was really nothing for the mind. We could be given, you know, words of affirmation, which are great, but they're more of a coping mechanism. And it's a training. And we're more than that. We're consciousness. So when we go in, we do breath work, we do asana, that does help clear the mind. Um, when I started doing asana, it was because my foot, I had that stress fracture. And it got me to slow down. It healed my foot, even though I resisted going and doing all of it. Um, I will. And that, when you said that, and it was so funny, because I mean, 
some most people are listening to this, but if you are watching the video, you saw my sister, like injury is so helpful to get you to that, right? Because yeah. the universe is like, so what? I'm going to make you stop <laughs> somehow, you know? So seeing it as like a way to pivot is so important. So I love that that was how it happened for you. Uh, it's just mm-hmm. like very, very relevant to what's happening right now in the world. <laughs> yeah. It, it forced me to go in that direction. And so, you know, once I started doing the asana and I would get down to shavasana, which just FYI to anybody who's in fitness and you go to yoga, don't skip shavasana. It's the most important pose of the whole class because that's where the mind starts. We prime the brain and we, we get the brain ready to go into a meditative observer state through the breath, through the movements and all these things. So when we lie down, it's a sense of meditation and you can have these beautiful healing experiences. You go into this witness observer state and you can, you can realize things. You can come out knowing more. You can tune into what it is that your heart desires in those moments. And so this is why that happens a lot in yoga class. You go in, you have this huge epiphany or you have an idea for work or your job or some creation you want to make. Or you, you might have a cry. You might be like, oh, I really needed to release that. And that's the beginning. That's a taste of what meditation can do. So when we sit down, because a lot of people will say, oh, well, golf is my meditation. Or people on Boulder will be like, my bike is meditation. <laughs> hiking, so I get yep. on my bike and I go and hiking, right? And the truth of the matter is it has the potential to get us into that meditative state. And when we say meditative state, that just means no thought. And you, you go into nature and nature has the ability to remove thinking and, and we're just present. And then we come back out and we go to our cars and now you have thought, 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 thought right? We get on the bike, right? Maybe like the first 10 minutes because the physiology is switching gears, right? It takes a little bit and then you hit like 12, 13 minutes and boom, you start going into the space and you go meditative, right? But what happens is it doesn't stabilize. So we can't stabilize it. We can't stabilize it through riding a bike or hiking. And this is the thing that we do as humans when we don't know. We go, it's biking that makes me feel good. It's hiking that makes me feel good, or it's singing, it's ecstatic dancing, it's daybreakers, right? Even though that's all fun, but it doesn't sustain. So it's almost like a drug and we keep coming back to it, seeking that feeling good. But when we come out, it doesn't sustain. Where with meditation, we have to sit, we have to come into stillness. And one thing that everyone should know with with clearing the mind is thoughts are a part of meditation. It's part of the purification. It's just like, you know, lactic acid is a part of muscles building, right? You can't remove that, though it does get better when you start meditating. You don't have as much lactic buildup, acid buildup, but it's part of the process of strengthening. And so in that meditation, we, we have thoughts, we have emotions, we have physical sensations. That's part of the unstressing We've got to release the stress from the body. So you had asked, you know, did I, I started seeing results very quickly. 
But the first year was the most healing year. I stayed consistent. I never missed a practice. And that's probably not normal for people. Um, but we always say a consistent meditator is somebody that the foundational practice that I do is twice a day, every day. And so if you were to do it every day, that's 730 meditations in one year. If you were to miss 30 or 40, that's still consistency. So we're not looking for per perfection. We're just looking for this consistency. Now, the formula that I've created for you guys to do, I would do that daily, especially now. I'm going to create one that's for your root chakra. That's all about grounding. That's all about pulling out fear to help us connect to the fearlessness in life. Our root chakra, when it's out of balance, and how can it not be in this time that's happening? We've got one, a virus. So everybody's worried about health and wellness. And on the other side, we have a financial crisis. And I don't care who you are, you're thinking about the future of like, what's this gonna be like, right? And so oh. in that, that has to do with our root chakra. Our root chakra is our basic needs, food, shelter, money, how we survive. And so if it's out of balance, then we have a hard time. So one of the meditations that I'll create will go in and it'll be working with a mantra that's to help bring balance to that. And what you might experience within the meditation is some fear. Like fear might be released, anxiety might be released. Maybe you might have some thinking around your finances and how you're going to problem solve that. That's what we do in meditation. We process it so that when we come out, you're going to be lighter. You're going to be more efficient. You're going to move into action fearlessly. And that's what meditation does. There's two, there's two aspects that you can have in meditation. And one is deep where the mind expands and you go beyond thinking just the same as you do when you're hiking or biking or whatever it is. And you go into this place that's being and you expand and the mind starts to go to places that it's never been before. It experiences stillness and silence, but there's things that can come to you um, in a way that you actually desire. Um, and then there's the other side where the body releases stress. And so every time you meditate, just the same as every time you go to the gym, right? You're sculpting your body. Every time you go to the gym, you're going to come out a little more fit. Might not be like the ultimate fit, just a little more fit, right? And just every time you go into meditation, you become a little more clear, a little more calm a little less stress and you keep doing that through time and you have no, I mean, anybody can do it. If you just stay consistent, you'll become clear. You'll become calmer. I still yell. I still, you know, I have a 10 year old son. I still have a tone of voice that when I'm tired, he's like, mama, that wasn't very nice the way that you said that. And I'll say, well, I'm not perfect and I'm tired. And you haven't yeah. picked up your stuff. It's annoying. So, you know, we're still human, but overall we get better and better. We work in this place of balance. I told my son today, I said, you know, I'm like mother earth, you know, that's who I am. Some days, most of the time it's amazing and beautiful, but I can be terrifying too, like an earthquake or a hurricane. Love that that. <laughs> it's like, I'm not here to be just placent. And that's another thing that I think people they think when we come to meditation, we're supposed to be like holier than thou. And it's not about that. We're not trying to be like Puritans. 
all we're trying to do is just be our most authentic version. And that's what increases through these practices, where our vitality, calm mind, healthier body. And then the other two levels of wholeness, when we go into deeper meditation, naturally it just happens, we start to access our inner navigation. So when our thoughts get very faint and we start to go into this kind of floaty, unbounded place, this is when you start to connect to your inner intuition, your inner guidance of what it is that you need to be doing in this life or what information needs to come to you to solve this financial problem or whatever it is, it will come to you. And you need to connect to that guidance because you're nobody out here can tell you. Your mom and dad can't tell you. Your partner can't tell you. No one, your best friend, it's you. And so when you start to go in, this inner voice starts to come through that you've Maybe you've heard, but you've ignored. It really starts to come through and you start to follow it. And then when we go to like the deepest part of meditation, which is not hard to get to, you know, you can get to it very quickly. When I teach you thoroughly in person, you can get to it on your first or second meditation. But in this, this is the place when we go beyond thought. And if you're using mantra, which I always use mantra, when we go beyond that, there's nothing in there. What happens is we connect to our natural essence, which is bliss consciousness. And bliss consciousness is, I'm happy for no reason. It's not attached to what's happening in this world. This is why a long time meditator, right? Yes, I feel stressed. Yes, I know what's going on. But I also trust nature. I also trust what's being organized. And I know there's a bigger picture. There's a bigger healing happening. And I know that nature always supports me. I'm always aligned. And in that, I can still connect to bliss. I can still connect to this beautiful depth, even in the chaos. And that's the practice. So I think all of us that were total fitness warriors, you know, you have this drive, at least I did, that then came over into meditation and that discipline and that drive then came through and this softness, but the strength comes through the softness and that's this just sharp clarity and sharp action and all of these things that we actually really desire in life. Oh, that is so beautiful. And I just, I relate to it so much because I am so extreme as well. And so it was like, all right, I am my own limiting factor. Like, you know, these warning signs on my body and then adrenals and then um, stress and then operating in this place where I'm like, this is not what I, like, this isn't blissful. Like I'm literally just trying to get to the top of the mountain and thinking that's going to get me happiness, right? It's, it's just the same story that we play in various forms, whether it's, the, the body we want or the business we want or whatever it is. And I finally, um, so it was last year, the beginning of 2019 and it was so extreme. It was like, I, the only way I'm going to commit to this is if I go all in because that's who I am and that's how I have to do it. And so I love that because I think so many people that have resistance towards meditation and feeling sometimes just saying like, you know what, I am going to commit can give them the the enough consistency to give them what you're you're expressing which is like so blissful and so beautiful and also everyone needs to experience it yeah i mean I, and I, I think it's it's just so important and it 
meditation is just really going to mold you into who you are. I think sometimes people also fear like, oh, it's going to take my edge away or maybe I'll become boring or that type of thing. You can, you'll still have your uniqueness, but it's going to take away that stress. And, and that, I mean, that's just my experience. So this first, probably I would say the first four years of my practice is where I really just let go just so much stuff. And when I came into my fourth year of meditation, that's where I really started to experience this deep silence within myself. And then it was like a rebuild, right? And it doesn't stop. And that's why I like it. It's not boring. That was one thing too. When I, before I came to this, or even when I was sitting in my intro talk, and I was like, this sounds so boring. I'm going to do the same thing every day, <laughs> twice a day. I'm like, I get bored with things so quickly. So and I was I. like, I can't even, back then I was like, I can't even keep a relationship for longer than like three weeks or three months. <laughs> I get bored. I'm like, whatever. Right. So in that, I, I actually had a little fear of like, oh, that might make me feel claustrophobic or something. Um, but what I found is that as we go into the silence, it expands into the universe. And so, you know, year 17, I am learning, I'm like still blown away by it. I'm still learning so much more about myself, about, you know, just you can take one word of the practice that you're learning and it opens up into like infinity. So it never is boring. And the refinement of ourselves and the capacity of how we can see and perceive and experience, it never stops. So it's beautiful. Um, I mean, I really believe we're all meant to do this. Um, it might not be that kind of, like it might not be where we are all going to do this in the world where it's at right now, but it's moving in that direction where it'll be, I always say, you know, fitness, right? The YMCA, I think, was like the first thing that came on the scene, like in the early 1900s. And back then, like in the 1950s, everyone was smoking, smoking on planes and drinking, and it's just so sedentary. If a doctor said, you know, go work out, they probably thought you were crazy, right? But yep. now cut to like decades later, people like wear workout clothes all day like lululemon's like cool and you know like like this whole carbon 38 or whatever like now it's it's just a part thing. Of culture yeah and there is a fitness place on every corner and there's all kinds of different fitness and so in that i feel meditation is going to be the same way right so especially coming into this virus there's one thing that's really amazing with meditation um it boosts our immune system, it increases, it, it takes down uh, your blood pressure, your cholesterol levels. And this is all just like sitting and basically relaxing and letting the body regenerate itself. We create um, brain chemistry that's like a bliss cocktail. And so when people say my meditation is medication, it really is. It's medicating in a natural way so that we become balanced. We don't have to be on all these pharmaceuticals. Um, but it, it increases us. It, it uplifts us. It's upgrading us every time we're meditating. So when we talk about um, meditators don't go into the doctors that often. Not saying like meditation, like 
you can't get the virus or something like that, but you increase your wellness substantially. And so many things as a trainer, I mean, it's hard to think about food and meal prepping and um, that goes away. Like drinking water, eating, sleeping, all your basic needs should be like the rhythm of your heart. Your heart beats, but you don't think about it. So when you start really aligning with meditation, you're, you're going to eat intuitively. It was always hard for me to teach people is to eat intuitively because when we're stressed, we eat emotionally or we don't eat, we starve ourselves. Or it's hard when we're overstressed, we can't listen if the body really needs zucchini, right? Or if right. the body really <laughs> needs, some needs kale. <laughs> carbohydrate or if the body just needs simply protein. But when you start to meditate, it's just, it's natural. It's like, okay, every day I'm like, of course, my body, my body, my body through this needs to eat Brussels sprouts. Like every day it's the weirdest thing, but it's got lots of antioxidants and all of these great things for the body. But we no longer have to think like that. So those basic things become easy. Working out becomes easy. We don't self-sabotage. We don't do those types of things or we don't have to like crack the whip on ourselves and be so hard it just becomes more natural it becomes like um the self-love practice that we've all been desperate for you know it's like we we want to love who we are and what we see in the mirror and yet struggle with it so much it's like this is so the way to do it you know if you can do it this way it's like I'm just so thrilled for people to experience this so when people are looking at your the things you provided, um, obviously you recommend meditating at least morning and night kind of in a different way, but for mudras and mantras and those types of things, um, your meditation, YDM meditation, kind of like your ethos, um, how do you recommend using the things you provided in Empress? So I'm going to provide you guys with two meditations and within it, I hit every level of wholeness within it. So that's why you should feel really good when you come out of it. Amazing. So <laughs> it'll be where you're doing, I'm going to give 10 minutes of just simple knowledge. So you know how to be with the mind and be through breath and be through the journey. And I'll set you up for that. You'll have 10 minutes of breath. You'll have 10 minutes of mantra out loud. So you can really feel the shift in the vibration. and you can Let that sound carry you. And then we'll go into silence. And you'll allow for it to start to move through and silence the mind itself naturally. So in that, you can compartmentalize it. So you can either do it all as one every time. You could do it every morning. I would recommend if you haven't been trained like in person, right? And you're using these videos that I'm providing you guys. You could do one a day. One a day is like a nice way to start. It's not too much. And then maybe in time when things get functioning, you can go and start to do more twice a day. Um, but first thing in the morning. So I always like to say first thing in the morning is the best thing. We do it before we have coffee. We do it before we have food. Um, and we sit and we meditate. Um, and we clear the mind. We activate the body so that we can really move in life in this increased way. Um, it's if you didn't have time the way that it's set up and you can go on to the videos, you could just do 10 minutes of breath work, right? You could just do the 10 minutes of mantra out loud. Um, or you could do maybe two minutes that are towards the end with the mantra 
and then go into silence for 10 minutes. So that's like 12 minutes. So if you're feeling like, oh, that's too long, what she's provided, you can compartmentalize it. Or even if you started with something in the morning or, you know, at least in the day, I like to break like these particular meditations. I like to do them in the middle of the day or like one or two o'clock. So maybe if you don't get it in first thing in the morning, this will really give you some vitality to move throughout the day. That's helpful. One thing I've noticed for me is like, I have to do it before I emails for sure. And before social media, which I think is so important right now with people kind of not having any guidelines of how long they're on their phone because like what else do we do and maybe you work from your phone or not but like that's like for me if I do not try to meditate before that happens um I'm a different person I'm like literally a different person and you know what you said is so true it's like we're not trying to be all you know a lot of Buddhas that are very passive or you know very calm but it's knowing that when I meditate if I can translate that to who I am when I'm the most stressed, when the world's falling apart in problem solving mode, like it, it makes me better at the most stressful times in my life. Um, not because I'm meditating through that experience, but because I built a practice. I built, you know, it's like giving yourself the reason we deadlift or the reason we squat. It's like, maybe it's for feeling strong if someone's trying to push you over. Like you feel like you can defend yourself um, in a way that it's just like you, you don't do just by getting one or two doses of it, like you dipping your toe versus jumping all in, you know? Yeah. And I mean, what's really just on a, what's really cool about this, that you're connecting with it before you go in and do anything. And this is why we always say we get up, we get out of bed and we freshen ourselves up, brush your teeth, if you need to do a shower, and then you go and you sit. And I always like to say you can sit comfortably, you can put pillows behind your back, you can stretch your legs out if your knees don't feel good, or you could sit like this with your legs crossed. Um, But what happens when we're meditating, and specifically what I'm creating for you guys with the breath, going into mantra out loud, into silence, literally when we do breath work, what it does is it creates new brain waves within our brain. So it increases creativity within our brain, it increases relaxation within our brain, and it primes the system because that's really what we're doing in meditation is we're creating a physiology because a lot of it, it's, it's half about the biology of the body and the other half about consciousness and the mind expanding and going beyond the constructs of limitation. So we prime the brain and it goes into this relaxed state. And then in that, it can observe. And the nervous system, it goes out of fight or flight, right? Because we're very much in fight or flight right now. So we're reactive. And people are writing things on Facebook that they probably wish that they didn't. And why are you even engaging on something? You don't agree. Don't even waste your energy, right? Why? You have to ask yourself, why are you putting time into that? But right. when we go into the space and our brain's going nice, right, creative, not reactive, our nervous system goes out of fight or flight and goes into rest and digest. It's a lot of stress. People get constipated. People don't process in their digestion well. This starts to help increase flow in that way. And then when we use mantra, mantra is a mind vehicle. It, it shifts the mind and it shifts the state. So the mantras that I use one will be without meaning, one will be with meaning. 
But the intention is to shift the water body. So if you're the water body of sadness, because man, there's so much grief happening. Even if you haven't lost somebody, you're grieving your old life. You're grieving socializing. You're grieving maybe if you're isolated by yourself, touch, hug. Uh, We're all grieving. And so in this, the shift, it's like, okay, I have the body of grief, but now I'm going to use this high vibration and I'm going to bring bliss into my body. And so it shifts that anger, uh, all of these different things. And so then the body, the physiology gets shifted, the bio memory that lives within us, that gets stuck in us, these old ways, smells and touches and tastes and sounds, it gets removed in meditation. And then we go into that stillness and we relax. So when we come out, your nervous system feels better. Your brain health has increased. You've created, um, just to say a few, dopamine, which helps with moods. So if we have mood swings, that's going to help. Happiness. Um, it creates endorphins, which we create when we work out. But it also, it increases our pain body relief and gives us energy. We create a bliss chemical that makes us feel blissful. We create GABA, which makes us feel calm and tranquil. We create serotonin, which helps with appetite, which helps with happiness, which helps with sleep. Um, We create other neurotransmitters that helps with memory helps with um, concentration because I think a lot of people might through the stress they can't concentrate so they can't work having a hard time working and all of this some people feel really creative during this time Um, but when you come out and you've meditated that's why you feel good your brain feels good it's got new chemistry happening brain waves we decrease the beta waves which is from stress nervous system gets reset and then we shift the water body and we elevate it into a higher frequency. So oh, from my perspective, it's a win-win. It is. And you're speaking, like, it's just like, I love the timing I found you. I mean, it, it's, again, what you said is like, you're, it never ceases to amaze you. But the timing of knowing we wanted to focus on mental health, it's Mental Health Awareness Month. But then, we, I mean, that was since January. So it's just so perfect having you... Um, the background you have, I'm, I love getting to know you so much more. This is so perfect for Meathead Hippie. <laughs> it's like you're just so it. It's just perfect. Um, so thank you again for like really helping us guide, you know, being our guide in this um, time. And so many people are just going to, I just, I can't wait for people to change their life with this because it's so hard to get into. But once you do, it's, you never go back, you know, because the pendulum swing you try it and then you try it without it and you realize why you keep it. You know, you, it's so, it's just like eating vegetables. Once you do it, it it makes sense. And it's the tangible results that help you stay consistent. So thank you for helping us do that. I'm so glad we found each other. I know I am too. And I can't wait to be back. I'll visit you in Boulder. Um, I know you do some classes. Where is the best place? Is it Instagram for people to find you? I'll link everything below. Uh, YDM meditation, you know, any other things that we need to make sure we know before we sign off? Um, you've got it. So on Instagram, it's it's uh, Yashoda Devima. So you can go to that handle. And then um, I do have YDM meditation. I haven't put as much on there right now. So the, the Yashoda Devima. Um, and then 
my website, ydmmeditation.com, will be coming out probably mid-May. So perfect. not now, but soon. Yeah, perfect. We'll link it all below. And if there's, um, you know, seriously, if anybody is looking for somebody to guide them, it's you. So I'm so glad uh-huh. I can help be the bridge Thank to you. get them to you. Yes, of course. Uh, Thank you again. This has been amazing to talk and I can't wait to hug, meet, um, practice with you in person, hopefully someday soon. Thanks. Thank you so much. You're so welcome.